Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see all of you. And good morning to those who are watching online as well. If you are here in person, I want you to give yourself a giant pat on the back because it's a holiday weekend and a football weekend and you are here and you're amazing. So give yourself a pat on the back. And we wave to all those who are watching online. Uh, I have some quick announcements. Wednesday nights are back in full swing. Catherine Barnes, the greatest children's director in the world, has been doing a great job with our kids on Wednesday night. Pastor Sam has a Bible study on Methodist Divided. And um, Harriet Murray, by popular demand, is back on Wednesday nights with a class, and it's on forgiveness. And uh, our Wednesday nights, we have a dinner that's at 5.15. You don't want to miss it. Another awesome thing we have uh, is Men at the Well. They meet on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. at the Choice Restaurant, which is really great. Uh, and the youth are going to Camp Lee uh, on September 17th and 18th, so um, make sure you sign them up for that. Um, as you know, we have our Pathways uh, section for the Pathways to the Future of our church on the church website. You can um, check that out. They've loaded a bunch of new information on there. Uh, and that's for our members uh, that's password protected, but the password's Pathways 2022 with a capital P. So if you're a church member interested in looking at what they've updated, you can do that. Um, October the 9th, I know that's a long way away, but it's my favorite announcement to make. And Benny, this is your favorite announcement too on October 9th, Blessing of the Animals outside in the green space between services. So we hope you can make it for that. Um, my last announcement is there'll be a little bit of change in the bulletin. Um, you'll see that we have a uh, ending hymn, a closing hymn uh, right after the sermon that's actually going to be after communion. So that is our change. Just let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this morning. We pray that you'll calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. may be seated. This is the time in the service we prepare our, our hearts for a time of tithe and offering. We want to let those uh, watching online let you know that you are able to give online. Um, and for those that are here, we are thankful for those gifts that continue to provide awesome ministries here in this church, but also around the world through the gifts that are given. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we pray that you will bless every tithe that is given. We, we pray that you will bless also the gifts of time and service that are given, um, that you will use each of those for your kingdom, that you will do great things here in Gadsden um, and also around the world through gifts that are given. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
You may be seated. As we prepare our hearts for a time of prayer, um, we always think of the burdens that we have when we come to prayer, don't we? But I want us all to think of some things, think of three things that you're really, really thankful for this morning. Um, three praises. Um, then we also come with heavy hearts. Each of us have different burdens that we bring. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, today we give thanks. We give thanks that we're able to worship together and be here. Um, we're thankful for this church family. Um, we're thankful for our friends and family. And God, we also remember the homebound. We remember those who are hurting. And we also, God, we lift up all the unspoken requests that are here in the sanctuary. As each person has brought in their own burdens to worship. You know those concerns and we pray that you will comfort us. We pray that we will know that we are loved by you. We lift up those who are, are sick right now, God. We pray that you will give them a special healing touch and they will also, that they will feel your presence to know that they are loved. We pray for the caretakers, that they will have energy to continue to be caretakers. We lift up our teachers who are back at school, God. We pray that you will give them an extra boost, give them extra energy, um, and let them know they are loved and supported. And God, we remember the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
seated. JT, it sounded like the congregation knew that one. <laughs> Y'all sounded great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, I pray that through this message, through the scripture, that you will speak to each of us, that you'll speak to our hearts. Um, I pray that you'll draw us closer to you and closer to each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I ask myself this question a lot lately, but uh, have you ever asked yourself, what have I gotten myself into? Have you said that one? Um, I was trying to think of some times that I've said that in life, and I thought you might, these might be familiar to you too. Have you ever purchased a home? Um, I know when I purchased my first home, I thought, oh, the mortgage is this price. I can afford that. But then you say, what have I gotten myself into? Because once you move in, the air breaks and the window's broken, and then you really can't afford everything, and you don't have time to fix it. I know some of you are laughing because you've been there. You've been there. You bought that house and say, what did I get myself into? Or maybe you started a new job, and it wasn't exactly what you thought, and you said, what did I get myself into? Some of you have maybe volunteered at a charity or even served on a board or committee and thought, oh no, what did I get myself into? This is not, this is not what I thought it would be. The youth group sometimes will talk about relationships, and I bet if I brought some of you in there and we talked about some of the people you may have dated in high school or college, you could tell them some experiences where you started dating somebody and thought, oh no, what did I get myself into? Right? I see some smiles because I know some of you had those experiences when you were younger. This is the last one. Um, I run a little bit. I haven't in a while. But when I sign up for a race or any of my friends sign up to run in a race, you think, oh, I'm just signing up online. And then you realize the commitment that you're going to have to train and run and you signed up for something really terrible. Um, what did I get myself into? See, I don't know about you, but I grew up going to church events as a child, and um, sometimes I might go to a church event or a youth event when I was a kid, and I would hear something like this, Jesus died for your sins, and say this simple prayer, and everything's going to be great after that. Have you, you've heard that, right? I would hear that all the time as a kid, and then you hear a scripture like this, where Jesus really wants you to think about what it means to be a disciple. Because Jesus says, count the cost, because it's going to cost a lot, right? It's a big deal being a disciple. Um, it could affect your reputation. In some cases, being a disciple of Jesus might affect your income, your friends, your family, where you live. Sometimes you're called, people are called to live somewhere else when they count the cost where you serve, who you hang out with. The discipleship stuff is a big deal. So uh, as you know, I always read from the lectionary when I preach, and today's lectionary is Luke 14, 25 through 33. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Here it is. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children and brothers and sisters, Yes, even one's own life cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their own cross and follow...
destruction and couldn't complete it? Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if, and if he didn't think he could win, he would send a, send a representative to discuss the terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, None of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be my disciple. That is a harsh passage, isn't it, when you read it? Because I know when I read that one, it gets me every time. And on a quick read, you would say, did Jesus just tell his followers to hate their families? Doesn't that really go against everything we've ever read in the scriptures? Because all I've ever heard in the scriptures before this is, Love your families, <laughs> love, take care of your children, love your spouse, and, and, and then we're even supposed to love our enemies. So surely, what is Jesus saying here, right? I know if I read this scripture in youth group, kids would jump for joy that it says that you can hate, to hate your siblings. They would say, you see, Jesus told me I can do that. <laughs> so, but what does Jesus really mean here, right? What does Jesus mean here? Because it even says in here to hate your own and then to carry your own cross. And when you think about a cross, isn't that a sign of a criminal? Somebody who's done something bad? I bet some people in that crowd that day were saying, what have we gotten ourselves into following Jesus? This discipleship stuff is serious stuff. But what led Jesus to say these harsh words that day? First, I want to point out that anybody I've ever heard explain this passage has said it this way. That more important than our families, more important than our stuff, Jesus is saying, follow me, be a disciple of me. Right? But why did Jesus sound harsh? I wanted to go dig in further, so I read what came before it in chapter 14. Here's what happens before this, path, before this scripture we have today. The beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is eating with the Pharisees. And uh, so Jesus is eating with these religious leaders, and there's a man with abdominal swelling who is among them. What is Jesus going to do? They're eating, but guess what? It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. The rule would be Jesus can't heal them on the Sabbath, but what does Jesus do? Jesus breaks the rules. He heals on the Sabbath. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has done something like this either. Um, did Jesus disappoint some of those Pharisees? some of the religious folks. You see, counting the cost, following Jesus, really following Jesus, may put us in situations where we disappoint religious leaders or people in power at times. So that's what Jesus did. He counted the cost. Sometimes following Jesus is a little bit controversial. Because sometimes people would say to Jesus, you helped who? You ate dinner with who? You help someone you weren't supposed to at the wrong day, the wrong time. I know we've all been in situations like that, too, where people have judged us for the same type of thing. I was thinking, you know, have you ever been in that situation where you handed somebody money on the side of the road that needed help, and somebody says to you, you know they're just going to buy drugs with that. Has anybody ever said that to you? It's the same type of thing that Jesus was dealing with here, right? Sometimes... Following what God's doing, leading you to do in your heart might be controversial, might upset some folks. Later in Luke 14, 
Jesus notices all the guests are wanting the most important spot at the table. And Jesus gives them a lesson on humility. You see, counting the costs, it's, it's going to sometimes affect our status, our position of power. It's going to require us to be humble. Because Jesus wants us to serve with humility, count the costs. Because when we follow Jesus, Jesus sometimes says, hey, you're not going to be in the spotlight. You're not going to get praise. You're not going to be top dog. You're going to be humble. You're going to be humble. When I was thinking about people not needing that important spot at the table, being humble, I thought about, you know, this thought came to mind about kids on the school bus, right? They all want that most popular kid sitting next to them. They want to move up in popularity on the school bus, don't they? But I thought of a saint, Saint Jenny, right? <laughs> Not really loose, just a joke. But Saint Jenny, we'll call her. I think about the movie Forrest Gump, right? Because all the kids are saying, seat taken, right? That's what they say, seat's taken. And then Forrest Gump goes because she says that seat's available. That seat is available. Being humble, sitting next to someone. Not having to have the most important seat of power. Jesus then tells a parable. He tells a parable that when you have an event, who does Jesus say to invite? Not the rich, not the powerful. Jesus says invite the poor, the lame, the crippled. See, this discipleship stuff gets wild, doesn't it? Jesus is wanting us to hang out with the forgotten, the left out. We're supposed to include people in our lives who don't look like us, act like us, or don't fit into our circle. The ones that other people have avoided. Jesus says invite them to the party. And I asked us, who do we invite to the party? Who do we invite into our lives? Are we inviting those who have been left out and excluded? Discipleship stuff is serious. We have to count the cost. I don't know if you noticed in the scripture we read in verse 28 and 29, it talked about a half-built tower. See, it's talking about people that didn't um, count the cost before starting the project. Now, I've never built a tower, but I have started home projects. Has anybody here ever started a project that you didn't quite finish, and it just goes on for a very long time? It's never happened in my house. I'm just kidding. It happens all the time. There's probably several half-done projects right now. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's time. But some of you just don't count the cost of what's it going to cost us. I know if I drive around sometimes, I'll see a half-painted house. Have you ever seen one of those? And you wonder, did they run out of paint? Did they run out of time and energy? What happened? What happened with a half-painted house? Jesus tells us to count the cost. We don't want to be like them. We want to be disciples, real disciples. And, it, and it's a tough lesson that we learn from these scriptures. Because it's going to involve sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to affect our status. Sometimes we're going to upset people in power. Sometimes there's going to be people that are not fans of what we're doing. Sometimes we're going to heal people like Jesus did. And that, that healing may be bringing them food or giving them care. And others might not like when or where we're doing it. I read a devotional online. It's called D365. It's geared toward college age and youth kids. Um, and, and they follow the lectionary on that online devotional as well. And what they said about this passage is that everyone in the crowd was distracted when Jesus gave these harsh words. See, there was religious leaders that were wanting to find everything that Jesus, they didn't like that Jesus was doing, you know. You did that that day, you shouldn't have been with that person. There was others that were wanting to follow Jesus because they wanted to move up in status. There was others that followed Jesus because they had family quarrels. They wanted Jesus to handle a dispute over an inheritance. Everybody had 
before, before your family, before status, before your possessions. Focus on following me, is what Jesus says. And I ask us, are we distracted? Are we distracted? Because Jesus says, follow me. Let go of what's holding you back. Jesus asks us what's holding us back. Is it our family? We're supposed to love our family with the love of God, but we can't let our family hold us back from serving who we're supposed to serve and how we're supposed to serve. Jesus asked us, um, is, it, is it our stuff? Is it our desire for status that's holding us back? I don't know about you, but the end of this passage is one of those really tricky ones, too, that we read. Super challenging. It said, in the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be are we supposed to take that literally? It's a tough passage, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I have some possessions I haven't given up. I got here in a car and I slept in a house. And I do know some people that have taken, I, I don't know them personally, but I've read about people that have taken this passage literally. You know, they sell everything and they go live as missionaries and they take care of the poorest of the poor. So there are people that do just that. But what about us? Is our stuff, our junk, is it holding us back? If God called us to give it or use it, would we do it? Would we do it? Um, I don't know if you know, but we're friends now with a pastor in Poland uh, at a United Methodist Church. We talk back and forth some. And, um, and in Poland, at this, this church, a lot of those church members have taken in people fleeing from war in the Ukraine. Um, and that is completely giving of your stuff and, and, and allowing your home to be used, right? That's what they did. So this church, uh, the church members are allowing people fleeing from war to live in their homes. That's real discipleship stuff. That's big commitment stuff to say, I'm going to let somebody into my home. See, when somebody's fleeing from war, that could be a week. It could be a year. It could be years. You just don't know. That is discipleship. That's following Jesus, isn't it? And sometimes on a smaller scale, we do things, right? When we have that home. Maybe you have a nice home and you say, I want to let Captain Barnes and the kids come over for a bonfire. I want to bake them brownies. That's discipleship stuff, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, or maybe you have this awesome kitchen that God has allowed you to be blessed with. And you say, this discipleship stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this kitchen to make meals for some people in need, right? Or maybe that car that we've been blessed with, we can use it to drive some meals for manna. You know? Is our stuff holding us back? Or are we allowing God to use our stuff to bless others? Because this passage is challenging, isn't it? Being a disciple will cost us everything. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? JT always says, you're going to quote Tony Campolo in a sermon. So today, I am. Uh, Tony Campolo is my favorite speaker. He uh, was a professor at Eastern University. And um, he would really talk about radical Jesus stuff. And uh, after school, um, a lot of the kids would then go to work with the poorest of the poor and go into ministry. And uh, this one parent went to see him at the college and said something along the lines of this. I wanted my kid to go to Eastern University or Christian college to take Jesus seriously, but not that seriously, where it's going to radically transform and my kid's going to do radical, th radical things, right? So I challenge us as we prepare for communion to remember that discipleship, even though we talked about it sounding harsh, it's a wild adventure. 
because I know I don't, all, I a lot of times don't get it right at all in being a disciple. But in those moments, in those moments where I've gotten it right at times, it's been a blessing. Those times where I followed Jesus and didn't, and I counted the cost and I just went all in, I was blessed for it. I know people here that have served with our youth group because they're disciples. They, they counted the cost. They're giving up their Wednesday night. They're, they're volunteering with the youth. And they've been blessed by it. I know some of you here, as I look around, some of you are those that serve at the ladle of love. You counted the cost. You knew what it was going to cost you to be here on Fridays. That sacrifice you've made. And you've been blessed by it, right? You've been blessed by it. I know some awesome people who counted the cost when they felt a call from God to be a disciple and do something God called them to do, and they adopted a child. They counted the cost, and they did it. They did it. Maybe it was helping with tornado relief. Whatever it is you've done, when we, when we truly count the cost, and we say, I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do, and, and I'm not going to let these distractions stop me, we've been blessed by it. So as we prepare for communion, let us be reminded, Jesus above our family, above our status, our job, our popularity, our title, above our stuff, above that valuable stuff we have, and also our junk, above all of it, above all of it. Where will this take us when we are disciples of Jesus? When we truly say, Jesus, lead me, where will that take us as individuals? Where will that take us as a church? I ask us to count the probably means something a little different to each of us. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that you will show each one of us what it is that holds us back, what stops us from following you the way we should. And God, although we are going to mess up and oftentimes not get it right, thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for continuing to help us grow in discipleship. We pray for each one of us here that you will help us grow. We ask this in Jesus' name. As we prepare our hearts for a time of communion, I um, wanted to give you a couple simple instructions we have about communion. Um, in the United Methodist Church, communion is open to everyone. It's the Lord's table. It's not a United Methodist table. Uh, it's open to everyone. You don't have to be a member here or a member at any church. You just have a, have a heart that is hungry for God. Um, also, at communion, um, if you leave an offering on the altar rail that goes to our benevolence, um, and sometimes people ask me, well, what exactly does that do? I can just tell you that uh, lately, um, and Susan is our church secretary, she can tell you, um, we've had a few people come in recently where they say, I'm, I'm working and I'm doing the best I can, but with the economy the way it is, I'm struggling to pay for gas to get to my job. And we've been able to help people like that because of the great gifts that you give. So we thank you for that. If you would, um, open your hymnals to page 12, or you can look on the screen as we prepare hearts for communion. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart, we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law 
We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your unending, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ. Redeemed by his blood, by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now I would ask uh, Grover to come help and serve.
The choir can come. I'm going to serve you. I'm, I'm going to serve you.
So as we leave here today, may we remember to put Jesus above everything else.